Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 164 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, I'm pretty excited. Um, first of all, do you know what today is? Today, the day of release of this podcast, 500 years ago, Roman Catholic monk, as you know, nailed um, a debate proposal on the door, just some things he wanted to discuss. And the world has never been the same since. It was 500 years ago today that the Reformation began, and Martin Luther nailed his 95 Theses to the wall. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, it's amazing how much what God does in the heart of one leader can change the course of human history. And so here we are on this day, really exciting day for me, because it was 10 years ago today also on Reformation Day that, um, yeah, I started something brand new, started over again, uh, got into the launch phase of Connexus Church, you know, started all over again. And that's that's one of the great legacies. I mean, the Reformation has its strong points and its weak points. And sometimes we do a good job carrying on the legacy of the church. Sometimes we need a lot of work in it. But the amazing thing is, you know, the church at its best, I think, is the church reformed and always reforming. And in fact, if things go the way I plan, I've even got a blog post on sort of what's next. <laughs> you know, what where does the church need to pay attention again? Um, and you could find that on leadlikeneverbefore.com. That's my plan to post that today because I'm recording this uh, a few weeks in advance. But I just want to say, whatever you're doing, thanks for what you're doing. You have no idea the impact it's making um, on your community, your town. You know, for some of you, you have no idea what God is going to do with it down the road. So just be faithful, um, keep seeking Him, and hopefully this little podcast helps you with that. Uh, Today's guest is a brilliant thinker and a fantastic leader, and she's part of the leadership team at Life Church. Her name is Allison Evans, and she's been over NextGen for a number of years now. We talk about that, but just a, a really sharp leader I've gotten to know over the last decade. And in fact, we have a few Life Church people um, coming up. I actually also just recently finished my second interview with Craig Grishel, and it was unbelievable. And we plan on kicking off 2018 with that. So if you're not a subscriber, do that right now because you're not going to want to miss the goodness that I think is coming your way. But you're going to love Allison. And whether you're a next gen leader or whether you are a senior leader in the church or an interest volunteer, or frankly, just a leader, because she comes from a corporate background in marketing, you're going to love today's interview, and I think it's really, really going to help you. Um, also, next week, I'm back with Mark Batterson. We have Chris Durso and then Chris Gepner from rural Vermont about planning a church there. John Ortberg is coming up. As I said, we've also got uh, Craig Grishel, Jeff Henderson, Cheryl Batchelder from uh, formerly a Popeyes, and, and a whole lot more. Brian Houston's going to be back, and, and so many more. So, Hey, it's going to be a fun season coming up. And speaking of fun things to do, I would love for you to join me. And today is the last day you can get a discount on it at the Pipeway West Leadership Conference in Irvine, California, Orange County, California. It happens February 22nd. I would love for you to join us because we're going to talk about developing a leadership pipeline. It's Pipeline Conference. And uh, you can get all the details at myleadershippipeline.com. That's myleadershippipeline.com. And if you enter this today, the day of release, 
When you are checking out, use the coupon code LEAD LIKE NEVER BEFORE. It will get you $10 off a ticket that ends today, October 31st. So make sure you join me at myleadershippipeline.com and don't miss out on that savings when you do. Well, um, man, I just hope this is a really encouraging episode for you. Without much further ado, let us jump into my conversation with uh, someone who's in charge of all of Next Gen. And if you're concerned about reaching the Next Gen as I am, you'll love this, uh, at one of the largest churches in North America, my conversation with Allison Evans. Allison, welcome to the podcast. We're really, really glad to have you. It's been a long time coming. It has. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. We were just saying, we probably met eight or nine years ago at Orange Tour, right? Yes. Orange Conference? Orange Conference, (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. I snuck into your, um, you had a breakout that was specifically for executive pastors, and I was far yeah. from being an executive pastor at the time, and I kind of snuck in. That's and okay. And then at the very end, I introduced myself, and uh, but it was great. It was great. This is a note, too, for leaders. One of the things that's always impressed me about you and Life Church, and actually a number of other large churches, is, I mean, you guys are, if not the largest church in America, one of the largest churches in America, but I keep running into your team at conferences because you're constant learners, right? Oh, man. Many, many people would think, oh, well, if you're Life Church, like you've got it all figured out. But like you guys are always in rooms. You're always trying to figure that out. Is that sort of like a value at Life Church or is that something you bring? Like I, I'm just so amazed by it. I tell you, it is an absolute value. So much of who we are is uh, based in this culture of development. We're always growing and learning. We've never arrived. God always has something new to do in each of us um, that draw us closer to uh, living out our personal mis- mission. Mm. And so, yeah, for sure, you've got to have a posture of, uh, of learning. I got to tell you, that was seven, eight, nine years ago, whenever it was. I, I just, I'm glad I didn't know before I started that you and Life Church were in the room because I might have freaked out. <laughs> so it was better <laughs> to find out on the other side. And it's just, it's a constant reminder to me that, man, I'm a learner first, a leader second, you know, and a, and a teacher third. So um, I'm always learning. But um, Allison, one of the fun stories you have is that you've been around Life Church, which uh, did you guys have, you were pushing over 90,000 people in attendance at At The Movies earlier this summer, weren't you? Yes, I actually think we broke a hundred thousand. Did you break a hundred? Wow, it, that might have been Easter. Now that I think about it, but during those four weeks of at the movies during July, um, we were definitely in the in the nineties, which is a lot Man, of fun. That is a lot of fun. And how many campuses now for Life Church? We're at twenty seven locations in eight wow. states. That's unreal, and we'll get back to that a little bit later. Uh, but you've been there since the early days of Life Church, right? Yes. So we're 21 years old and I've been on staff for 16 years. And did you come into staff at, you know, that point or were you an attender first? How did that work? I was an attender very briefly. I came in, I'd moved away. I moved Mm -hmm. to Seattle. And when I moved back, the church that my husband and I had attended, all the signs were off the doors and all that kind of stuff. We showed up on a Sunday morning. We're like, gosh, they must be remodeling. And when we came into the building, there's this you know, Tom Cruise looking guy on stage. (laughs) And we're like, what is going on? And what had happened was that was the very first weekend of the first, or or, or, I guess you'd say the second campus. 
so that was the first weekend that a, a new campus had launched out of the original. So that was wow. the very beginning of the multi-site model for Life Church. So yeah, man, early, early. Oh man. And then what had you done prior to that? What was your your background prior to joining the Life Church staff? Sure. So I was in marketing. I had a marketing degree, went into marketing right out of college, and then wound up teaching marketing to high school students. And I believed I would die, uh, that that was my ministry. I would die teaching high school students and being a light of Jesus in a public school system. I thought for sure that was that was that was it for me. And it would have been wonderful. I would that would have been perfect for me. Um, But God had other plans and I wound up (laughs) at life. Isn't that interesting? And uh, what what now did you start in kids ministry at Life Church? I did. I started. It's so funny. I didn't come to Christ until I was 25. So I really okay. didn't know the stories of the Bible and those kinds of things. So when I started on staff, I was a part time curriculum writer. And my boss thought I would be a great curriculum writer because I'd been a teacher. Um, but I didn't realize until I was kind of in the role about six months that I had no idea what I was doing. So the good news was (laughs) I'd sort of created this position as a volunteer coordinator, uh, by accident because I loved the people who served in the ministry as volunteers. I loved them so much. And I found myself at coffees and at lunches and, you know, on the phone constantly with the people who really led the ministry, all those volunteers, so my leader quickly said, you know what, we're going to find someone else to write curriculum and we're going to let you run with the volunteer coordination piece. So that was a much better fit. Hmm. What made you make the leap if you really felt even a calling, I mean, theologically to teach, what flips the switch? Because we have a lot of marketplace leaders listening who love their church, uh, but they've never, ever thought about joining church staff. And I know we've had that conversation many times at Connexus Church because most of our leaders come from within the congregation. We export for, or import from time to time. But like, what, what made the light go on for you and decide, okay, I'm leaving my marketplace, probably for less money to join a church. What, what gears were turning for you in that? Well, actually, it's interesting. You know, like I said, I was teaching marketing in a public school, and I loved it. When I moved away and I moved back, marketing positions are very limited uh, in high schools. So in the in the schools that were around us, there was no one hiring. So I thought, well, that's all right. I'll just volunteer a lot up at our church, the new church, you know, and uh, I'll spend a lot of time up there and do what I can until a marketing position comes open at one of the schools. And before I knew it, I was on staff, you know. <laughs> so I just, the thing was, I knew uh, that I was supposed to lead people and lead students. I, I was very passionate because I was later in life when I came to Christ that being a mentor and helping students that way was very important to me. And I just, the only, my only frame of reference was the public school. So when I started serving and volunteering at church, I thought I'm, I am certainly not qualified to ever be on staff at a church that would just never be suitable. God just began to work on my heart and he said, I can do what I want to with you. And I opened my hands and said, please do. And so he found uh, found a spot for me at Life Church. Isn't that interesting? I wonder how many business leaders would. I don't think I've ever heard it quite phrased that way. I, I'm not sure I'm qualified. Mm. And I bet you, you know, church world is a big mystery to people who don't work in churches. It's like, well, I don't have a seminary education. You know, what? I read my Bibles Bible most days. You know, <laughs> occasionally I read my Bible. I try to make it every Sunday. Um, right. 
And and that's really, really interesting. I'm firmly convinced the church would be stronger if we had more marketplace skills uh, at work in the in the body of Christ. Now, how many staff are at Life Church right now? I know you guys are pretty lean for a church your size. So yeah, I think we have about 580 staff yeah. for the 27 locations and then a central. Uh, and it, it sounds like a lot, but we really are very lean. If you know your numbers, that's exceptionally lean. That's yeah. that's really, really lean. Um, are a lot of them from the business world, like Bobby Grunwald was, I think, originally from the business world. And uh, a lot of the people I know on staff, they they tend to have a business background. Is that typical? Yes. Um, I, I bet you we're probably 50-50 at this point. Yeah. like to keep a good balance. You know, I think it's really important to have... Uh, you know, we've got some young, young talent on the team, kids who grew up in the church, who uh, came right out of high school into our internship program and now find themselves on staff. And there's something very, very special about the passion that they bring to the table and, you know, all of that. Um, But at the same time, I think it's incredibly important to bring in other insights and perspectives from the business world, the marketplace. So we try to keep a nice balance. Plus, you need a couple of people with seminary degrees in the mix, too. Yes. That's what we find as well. It's very helpful that's pretty important when you way. have that training. Uh, <laughs> no, that's good to know. And I, I, I'm glad we went there because I think there's some business leaders listening who are maybe like, huh, I wonder, and probably some church leaders who need to go, you know what, I got, I got to stop just looking at the seminary stream and start looking in the congregation. So um, you started as a volunteer coordinator, and right now you're over all of NextGen, right, all at Life Church. Gen. Mm-hmm. And that's for all locations. Right. So the way we're structured, um, we have a central organization that's not associated with any particular campus. So we right. provide support. Uh, for instance, our finance team is here at Central. So you don't have a payroll person on every campus and all those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. We keep all that centrally located. You've got HR, creative media, uh, all of those kinds of things. And then there's also the leadership of the three primary ministry areas. So next gen being kids and student ministry in our context, uh, life groups and missions is under one leader uh, and has a small team here at Central and provides global leadership for that whole team down through the campus. We have a dotted line um, system of leadership Mm -hmm. uh, to those campus leaders that lead um, in the ministry areas. And then a host team campus operations team leader here at Central then who provides dotted line leadership through to the campuses. Okay, so it's a it's a lean central organization, and then uh, some staff at the campuses as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, take us back to the early days of Life Church, where there was no central, there was barely a second location. <laughs> How many staff were on board when you came on board? Like a handful, um, thirty maybe. Yeah, something like that. you know, um, I can't remember. There's just the two locations, and we had a pretty heavy youth team. I remember thinking, gosh, we just have so many guys on that youth staff, you know, uh-huh. of course they were the fun ones, right? They were the fun guys, but, um, maybe I, I bet 30s a lot. I bet we were closer to 20 Yeah, in those yeah. early days. That was a lot of fun. What was life church like in those early days? Oh man, we, it's, I'll, I'll tell you this, and this is going to sound really corny. It's not too much different today with, you know, 580 staff than it was then at 20, but we were blown and going. I mean, God was doing some incredible things. We were growing faster than we knew what to do with. Um, we failed forward a lot. We were ideating. We were experimenting. Um, we were trying new things all the time. We had just, like I said, men- added our second location 
trying to figure that thing out. Um, we were trying to do, there's some funny stories about some concurrent services, you know, where you have two different services in the same building at the same, and oh gosh, failing forward is the best way to describe uh, those early days for sure. But it was, it was fun. So you, you said there's a couple of stories. Tell us one. What, what, what did you do? <laughs> oh gosh. Um, so there was a concurrent service that we, that we tried to do, um, and I can't even remember the motivation because it wasn't like a traditional was happening over here and a, you know, a non-traditional was happening. I can't remember what the motivation was other than probably space. Yeah. I think the idea of having nine services in a weekend like we have now was like mind boggling. And we thought if we could just double up. Right. And so the second service, though, we had a, a guy that led worship and it was very, you know, just acoustic and there were candles all over the stage. <laughs> and we were trying to appeal to that sort of hipster age group and the the guy didn't wear shoes and you know it was just a whole different vibe like who are we trying to be and it failed miserably miserably we had the emerging church was still around too right the fumes of that yeah that sounds like that kind of thing exactly what it was probably inspired by and it just we it was not who we were i can tell you that so (laughs) we were uh, and, and we we were just telling some of these stories the other day. It's like that did not work for us, you know. So and that that's great. I mean that that and that uh, experimentation hasn't really stopped, has it? No, I tell you, Craig. You know, Craig says something, and I know a lot of leaders do and, and believe this. And that is, man, innovation is born out of constraint many times. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, Craig, one of the things that he talks about, Craig Rochelle, our leader, he talks a lot about. Um, being good stewards. You know, we are irrationally generous. And so what that does is it creates some constraints. We like to have a slim team. It does something really special to us. It keeps us nimble and some of those kinds of things. Well, when, when you, when you keep things a little bit tighter, it creates some of these great constraints that can really foster innovation. And so we're constantly experimenting with new ways to do things. And, um, it, it does, it keeps things exciting and it gives you opportunity to kind of mess things up a little bit and figure out a way to do it better. And, and all of that. What were the hardest parts of those early days? What was what was tough for you? Whether that was personally coming on church staff for the first time, or whether that was just like you know everybody looks at a hundred thousand people on a weekend and goes, "Must be nice," but it never starts that yeah. way, right? Yeah, you know, I think one of the one of the more challenging things in the early days um, was it, because it, multi-site. So I have to start with my early days. So we would sure. we were immediately multi-site. Uh, we knew that the way we wanted to lead our multi-site model was consistency. And so establishing consistency to define really our model for multi-site, something that was replicatable because we knew that we wanted to be life church, no matter what community we were in, that there's a lot of different ways to do multi-site and they're almost all good, but we knew our way was the consistent uh, model. And in trying to, um, grow culture inside of people as they move to locations that were further and further away from the original uh, location and from central and some of those kinds of things that that was really challenging, um, super rewarding and worth it. But, you know, that's one of those things that you never stop doing. I mean, it still can be mm-hmm. challenging. If we do birth five or six campuses next year, um, that's going to be something that we have to, you know, walk through. So, Every, every location, we have to re-remind everyone, here's who we are, here's our culture, here are the axioms we live by, you know. So how did you do that, and how do you continue to do that? 
if that was difficult, and I can see it because, I mean, you're experimenting with this ancient future, you know, um, candlelit worship at the same time you've got what you a version of what you've got going on today happening next door. How, how and I mean you were in on those meetings, right? Like you've been at the senior level of leadership at Life Church uh, throughout the this journey. Yeah. How how do you decide? Because I mean it's easy just to go because Andy and Craig, Andy Stanley and Craig Rochelle have been friends for years. It would be easy to say, oh, that's how North Point does it cut and paste, right? Or this is how a Saddleback does it, or this is how, you know, Willow Creek did it, or Elevation more recently does it. Um, cut and paste, but you decided to find your own DNA. So how did you do that? You know, and again, I'll go back to Craig's uh, strength of leadership. One one of the things that Craig is so good at, he is one of the most clear leaders I've ever um, been led by. Our mission has always been crystal clear from day one. I'll never forget. I just, I remember sitting in my earliest staff meetings and he, you know, the whole idea of a chief reminding officer, um, we all become that, you know, we, that's, that's our job. And he is the chief, chief reminding officer for us. And, you know, I just believe that when God, um, when God spoke to Craig about what life church was going to be. And he has his own story, you know, on on how God birthed that in him. But uh, I believe that that Craig grabbed a hold of a set of core values in those early days that was a part of his conversation with God about what Life Church was going to look like. And that's still what we look like. Our value system is the same, Carrie. But you know, the mission never changes. I mean, the of mission course. and the, the values never change. But gosh, how we get there—that's where that innovation and all that kind of stuff comes into play. But. Um, we do, there are things that we do practically. You asked, you know, how do you do that? Beginning with, uh, as soon as a staff member, it obviously has to start with staff. As soon as a staff member comes on, we have a pretty elaborate, uh, we call it inside out, but we bring every staff member back here to Oklahoma, uh, to kind of home base back to central. Yeah. And they spend a couple of days with us to, uh, learn from the directional leadership team. So that baton doesn't get passed down to a different level of leadership. Jerry Hurley, Bobby Grinwald, Sam Roberts, Craig, they're all a part of that first two days of a staff member. Um, And they talk about the good old days and they talk about our history and they talk about our core values and they explain why we are who we are. Um, Some of the hard lessons we've learned over time related to multi-site, related to staffing. And so getting that inside of people helps them. Um, we're, we're basically imparting that DNA, the life mm-hmm. church DNA to each individual that's responsible. And then constantly through individual team meetings, like when I'm leading a next gen team meeting, I reflect all of those core values, all of our axioms. That's how we all lead. Consistency probably is the biggest unspoken value of life church. You're not going to see it on any list anywhere, but it is definitely who we are. So just that trickle, constant trickle, CRO. I hope leaders didn't miss that last point you made. Consistency is one of your unofficial values. Because I think a lot of the time, you know, as church leaders, we can go to conference A, read book B, listen to podcast C, and we're like, oh, I got a new idea. And all of a sudden, you know, you're off to the right or off to the left or, you know, full 180. And not necessarily theologically, but just in terms of your model or your strategy or whatever you're doing. And that can get very confusing for followers. And it's easy, even if you're going to change, and I think Life Church has done a great job changing and staying very, very current. 
Um, but to do that over time and to be consistent so that it's not like, what is Craig thinking this month? Or what's the directional leadership team going to come up with after they come back from their retreat this year? You know, you've yes. seen that, eh? Oh, gosh. You know what? You are hitting the nail on the head. That is so true. That is not that is not a fear in our world. Mm. Um, and they definitely do a lot of that. They do a lot of um, they're constantly learning and growing. They're constantly looking at other models. They're going to, you know, business. They're going to the marketplace and learning from businesses. How how do larger organizations lead staff? You know, all of those kinds of things. And we don't have to worry about who we are changing or our value system changing. The crux of who we are will be the same. So the idea of having to kind of flow in the wind with some new, that's not going to happen. Um, but they may come back with ideas. Here's a different execution model. Here's a different way for us to look at this. Here's something for us to try. And those things are exciting and life-giving. And um, we can all get behind that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I'm not worried about the bigger picture stuff. Like, I think about, um, you know, people that have to worry about how we, I don't know, that we don't have to worry about. I don't, I don't know how yep. to say it. Anymore. No, I know like, what you're saying. Scary. The core has stayed the same yes. and where it gets shaped, it's not subject to the whim of a leader or a directional team, you know, based on, on the latest trend. It's not yes. like, you know, hey, we're going to cook everything in coconut oil, followed by kale, followed by turmeric, followed by, you know, bone broth. Right. right. <laughs> it's just like flavor of the month, literally in terms of health trends. It's not that right. kind of thing. Right. And exactly. so, so I get that. Sorry. That's my little pet peeve. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I find okay. that very amusing. Um, okay. No, that, that is, that is a really good lesson because I think, um, that is one thing over time. And for sure, you know, as a, as a long time observer and fan of what God's doing at Life Church. I've seen the consistency, and I've also seen the evolution, not in the theological sense, but in the model sense. Um, but that's been over time with a directional team, but, but it's very recognizable. It's not radically different than it was before. Um, okay, so that's one of the hardest parts, is being able to maintain that consistency over time. What was the best part? What some of the best part of those early days? Um, again, it's, it's the same as it is today. And, you know, the the church staff member answer is the is really the truest answer. And that is that my very favorite part of what we did then and what we do today is seeing lives changed. Mm-hmm. And I know it's like over spiritual, but it's true. It's just no different. It's no different today than it was then. Now, in the early days, I was standing on a campus in the auditorium as you know, and I could see the tears in people's eyes when they raised their hand and made a decision for Christ and you know, said the prayer of salvation. So I was, I was closer to the ground, you know, in those days. And I sit in a little different seat today. Um, but gosh, it, the not having a playbook, you know, when I describe what was the hardest part is that we were, you know, just trying to figure it out. That was also the best part. Does that make mm-hmm. sense, Carrie? It totally does. Yeah. It's just fun when you're all kind of, you're sitting around in a room and you're thinking, we don't have a playbook. We don't know what blocking and tackling looks like for us. How are we going to get through this next season? How in the world do we launch another campus in another state? Like, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. Um, those were some of the best parts. Working late, two o'clock in the morning, you know, the stories that we have about some of those at the movies. You yeah. mentioned uh, at the movies earlier when you and I were chatting. Um, 
there's something amazing about getting a group of volunteers together. If anyone is not familiar with that, with what that is, it's a series that Craig does in the summer. And we have hundreds of volunteers pour into the campuses throughout the week, the week prior to the beginning of that series. And they build up movie sets inside of our lobbies and they're late nights and, you know, everybody's sweating and, you know, thumbs get smashed by hammers and all that kind of stuff. But we build these amazing things and it's so much not about the amazing thing you physically build in the building uh, to create a lobby environment and an experience for people. It's about the relationships and the things that happen in the context of that hard work together when you're you're pressing in and you want to provide an environment where people who have never stepped into a church before step in. Hmm. And I don't know if any of that makes any sense, but that there's just something about that hard part that's also the best part. Yeah, I I agree. It's funny we uh, we're celebrating 10 years as a church this year and. I was out for uh, dinner with Jeff Brody, our new lead pastor, and we're talking about, you know, what were some of the best parts? And it's funny because, you know, I'm listening off four or five. And when I was done, I said, man, those were always, those were also the hardest things. I don't know why the hardest things were the best things, but remember that time we thought we were going to go bankrupt or remember, you know, we just started to grow and we had all this and like we were up till two o'clock in the morning and remember when we didn't know what we were going to do. And we, we had to raise half a million dollars in 10 days. And we did by the grace of God. Like, it's funny how the hardest part is always the best part. That's yeah. so, so true. Okay, yeah, so, so uh, moving forward a little bit. Oh, one more thing I wanted to say too. I love the fact, and you hinted at this earlier in what you said, but like when you bring your, your new staff in for um, orientation or inside out, you called it. I love the fact that Craig's still involved with that. And if you follow him on Instagram, you'll see that's very, very true. He's always building into new leaders and new team. Do you think you can delegate that out? I don't. I really mm-hmm. don't. I think that has to, you know, it's one of those things, you know, we always talk about as leaders when we talk about delegation, we say, um, what is it that only you can do, give away everything else? And right. I love it that Craig thinks, you know, this is something only I can do, only I can share the vision from the level that, you know, that gut level. Um, and I love it that he believes in that. And I love it that he's a part of it. And our directional leadership team members are as well, completely dialed into every new staff member. Um, and I hope that they don't ever change that. I hope they always hold on to that. Well, and then th- that probably creates a real sense of a buy-in ownership and team then. I mean, if you're heading eight states over or wherever you are, it's like, no, 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 we we actually connected and we've, you know, I know his name. He met me. And uh, Mm -hmm. there's that sense of deep connection, which is really good. Yeah. So uh, you got eventually, not too soon after joining the staff, put in charge of kids, right? So you ran kids ministry for a number of years. Now you're over everything, kids and students, preschool, the whole deal, next gen. Does that include young adults? It does not. In our context, um, we kind of pass the baton then on to our life groups team. So that as a student graduates high school, they move into that ministry. Understood. Well, talk. think about the kids' days when you were just in charge of that, not so much all of student ministry, too, because we have a lot of next-gen people listening. Uh, tell us about how you handled that role and the decisions you made, both good and bad. Oh, gosh. Just, just as the kids director? Yeah, yeah, before you were kids. Then we'll do a separate take for next-gen. Uh-huh. Well, I tell you, there there were some bad decisions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, there were some good stuff. There was some good stuff. We, and I'll say this too. And the truth is, when I look back at at decisions that were made, I can 
easily own the bad ones. The good ones, I, I wish that I could take credit solely for some of them. We're so collaborative. And that's another one of those unspoken values at Life Church. I just don't make a lot of decisions on my own. And not because I have the inability to make a decision on my own, but I recognize that, for instance, so often before I can make a decision about programming or content, I have to be working with our creative media team. Yeah. And I, you know, we have to equally buy into whatever that product or program is going to look like. So there's always compromise, there's always collaboration, but some of those collaborative decisions um, that I, I wasn't necessarily so excited about, but I came to love. One was at Life Church, we made the decision after we were, um, I don't know, maybe we were 10 or 12 campuses that we would no longer do camp. And, I, you know, I just thought, well, the whole church is going to fall apart. It, <laughs> you just can't survive as a church without children's camp, you know. Um, and it was such a great decision, uh, particularly during that season for us to do that. We also stopped doing vacation Bible school. I think both of those things are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is absolutely nothing wrong with vacation Bible school. I, I, there's so I get excited every time I get the, the magazines and go online when it's getting close to like February and March and all the ads are out there about the new curriculum. But for us, that was a significant decision that had to be made early on. Um, and there were tough decisions because they're a lot of fun. But we looked at what are our what are our goals and what are the things that we um, that we want to accomplish and how does that particular event line up with it? And for us, it didn't line up any longer. The alignment was gone and we recognized that those decisions needed to be made. So I don't know whether to put that in the good or bad decision category. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a critical uh, decision. It was a critical decision for sure. Um Another one was, and this was more organizational, but you may or may not know, um, or in the listeners, but we give away all of our resources. So for so long, we created our own curriculum uh, for kids and students. There was a lot of video and a lot of print resources, you know, to help the volunteers who executed the curriculum on the campus and training videos and all this stuff. And we just kept it all for ourselves. And then at some point, you know, Craig tells the, the big picture story. But when we decided to give away resources, that uh, the secondary conversation was, oh, yeah, this should include kids and student resources, too. Churches need that stuff. And um, when we made that decision, it it actually tweaked for us a little bit how we created content. You know, we didn't want to talk about um, we didn't want to mention, hey, life kids in the middle right. of you know a script or what have you. We wanted to neutralize some things. So it was actually a, a pretty significant decision when we decided to give things away um, because it changed how we wrote and how we produced some of our resources. So that was a, a significant one as well. Um, you know, so there, hmm. there were several along there at the end of that, at the end of that, uh, the live kids director era for me, uh, I went to my leader and I just recognized after a year or so in that role, there was this chasm um, between kids and student ministry at Life Church, and I can't speak for any other church. I've never worked at another right. church, but for us, there was a definite chasm, and the chasm wasn't just um, with the attenders or kids making the transition. Um, for us here, it's fifth grade to sixth grade is kind of the difference between kids ministry and student ministry. Um, there was a gap there, but also just even relationally between kids pastors and youth pastors at the different locations, and just some gaps. And I thought, man, this can't be right for families. This can't be the best way for our church to partner with families. And so I proposed to Jerry, this was probably the biggest and most significant decision I was ever a part of. I proposed to my boss on the directional leadership team, Jerry Hurley. I really think that we ought to throw an umbrella over both sides of this ministry, kids and students, and bring it together 
um, so that we can actually partner with families. Because at this mm-hmm. point, we these two different subvisions and our values are different. The way we onboard volunteer leaders is different. You know, how our yeah. policy procedures for safety, you know, some real core things. So that decision process was really significant. Yeah, I can see that. And that's a value, of course, that our mutual friend Reggie Joyner would be very passionate about. Yes. And a lot of churches have moved to that model because, yeah. you know, the kid doesn't change. It's it's like, you know, imagine um, elementary school never speaking to middle school or high school about curriculum. And it's like, so what are your math skills now that you're in seventh grade? And it's like, I don't have any math skills. It's like, oh, okay. Well, wait a minute. They were supposed to teach you X, Y, Z, right? But we behave that way often yeah. a lot. So that that was a big change. And again, that's something. And then they said, great idea. You're in charge of it, right? Right. That's exactly. <laughs> because that was not at all my idea. Um, and he's, he looked at me and he said, who's going to lead that? And I said, gosh, you know, I... I don't know. Give me a minute. We can, I'm sure we can think of two or three people. We could do some interviews and see who fits. And he kind of laughed and he said, well, obviously it should be you because for anyone to make that happen, they've got to be really passionate about it. So anyway, so yeah, I kind of accidentally found myself in the next gen leadership role. Without throwing anyone under the bus, was that weird for the student people? It, yeah. Especially in that now I'm just going to, I'm going to go right there, but uh, to have someone from kids world, Yes. Overseas student world. I mean, that's not something that um, maybe happens all the time. No. And you know what? It took a while. It really yeah. did. You know, it's, here's what's great. That was seven years ago or so. And right. he is still the director of student ministry under my leadership. And um, it's even weird to say under my leadership because we're we're partners. You're so uh, collaborative. Yeah. Yes. There's a kids director and there's student director. And then and then I lead those guys in. I don't know what I would have done without him, but I think that at the time, not I think, we actually had a very frank conversation when the transition was made, and he wasn't a fan. And, you know, I got it. I completely 100% understood. And we always love to tell the story together because, um, you know, over time we recognize we're playing for the same team here. Yeah. You know, so. And, and I want student ministry to be big and growing and thriving. And I want students to invite their lost friends. And we, you know, we both want to be evangelistic. How can we uh, bring this thing together? And more importantly, how can we then partner and lock arms with, with parents who don't even know that they need us really yet? And it was through some of those conversations in those early days that um, that decision was made. But yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. <laughs> well, and to his credit, a lesser leader would have walked out the door. You're absolutely right. And we had that conversation as well. And he, he's, you know, he wasn't about to abandon ship and he is an amazing leader. So Mm. I'm so, so thankful for him. What were, because I'm sure some people are anticipating uh, that kind of move, whether that's from kidsmen over student. And if you're not sure exactly what we're talking about, there's sort of an unwritten rule in church world that student pastors are, you know, maybe above the kids ministry person. Now, you talk to Jim Weidman or William Vanderblumen, and they may give you a very different view these days <laughs> that kids ministry people who are great at what they do or next-gen people like yourself are, in fact, um, one of the most in-demand positions in the church today. So that could be changing in, in large measure, I think, due to organizations like Orange. I think that is changing. But there is that old assumption that the student pastor is higher on the food chain, will probably maybe preach for the lead pastor when the lead pastor is away, um, you know, maybe gets paid more, maybe. And again, I think that's changing as we speak. But 
that is the world into which you stepped a number of years ago, or some of the assumptions that maybe weren't present at Life Church but were present elsewhere. How did you navigate that tension as a leader when you've got to lead up and try to convince somebody, yeah, you got to work under me, for me. And I know you're a with me leader. I get that. Right, My team right. works with me, not for me. I get that. But sure. how do you navigate that in the real world? Well, you know, um, at that time, and we'll, we'll, we'll admit that we were actually, Life Church was everything you just described. Um, mm. it, it was unintentional. Our leadership is very fair. Our leadership, you know, gets it that the people who were sitting in Life Kids pastoral positions had the same set of talents and gifts um, eventually. But early on, truth be told, we didn't hire that way. We hired yeah. people to lead kids ministry who were a little bit more, um, you would have felt a tiny bit more like a preschool director, which is a great disposition and incredibly needed and valued. But you, you'd hire a youth pastor who had more leadership skills and communication right. skills. And so it was, it was an unintentional thing, but that's what we did. So over about, I bet it was a probably a two-year period, the playing field was 100% leveled. So at that time, we had several campuses when we made that next-gen transition. So there was some real, you know, practical things, payroll kinds of conversations related to here are the kids pastors, here are the youth pastors. What makes sense? Who, you know, what are, what are the things that shape those conversations related to the leadership that someone's bringing to the table? And where might we have talent on the kids' side of the table where we're not pulling the leadership pieces out of that person? And why are we not doing that? So all of those things led to, it wasn't that we had the right, wrong people on the kid side to bring leadership to the, the right. big people. Um, we just had to start tapping into different parts of their giftings. And so the people who were already on staff in kids positions, for the most part, stepped up to the plate, which was amazing. On the wow. youth side of things, we recognized we may have overstated, you know, in some places, um, where a team member might have been, uh, you know, we didn't fire anyone or, you know, lower some, someone's payroll, but we certainly leveled the playing field title wise, um, invitation to the leadership table and the decision-making table. Um, kids and youth were both present in those conversations where in the past that might not have been true. And then certainly payroll as well began to level out. So you're right. Those were realistic conversations in those early days of that next gen transition. I appreciate your transparency, and I think some churches still need to go there. I mean, we've made a, a major transition in the last five, seven years in terms of how we view kids' ministry. Again, largely inspired by Orange, but it goes right down to those practical nitty-gritty of like pay, mm -hmm. leadership team access, quality and caliber of leaders throughout. Right. Uh, I know what that has done for us at Connexus Church. Did that have an impact when you kind of leveled the playing field, as you put it? Did that have an impact on um, the number of families you were reaching and the kids' ministry directly? How, what kind of impact did you see at Life Church? Uh, you know, I wish I could give you some real numbers and, and tell you. Um, but other things were happening at the same time related to quality of programming, related to the intentionality right. of connecting church with home. Now, what I can probably tell you is that those more high-level decisions about the relationship between church and home came as a result of pulling the best out of those people that were in the kids and youth side. And when we began to pull the best out of people and have higher expectations on both sides of the ministry, um, I think we began to see the fruit of that. So I would say yes. Um, 
probably not just because of leveling the playing field, but because of what happened as a result of all of that and bringing out the best in those team members and, and really raising the expectations. That's good to know. And, you know, the other thing that, again, you're hinting at just to draw it out to make it clear to, to listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with the discipline as you or I would be, you're talking about the whole parenting piece too. And that one of the things we often neglect is we only have the 52 Sundays a year or 40 Sundays a year that, you know, parents show up and drop their kids off. But the average parent is 3,000 unstructured hours at home with their kids. And I know you've been a big advocate in trying to help parents leverage that time with their kids for spiritual gain and and relational gain. And so that really got advanced. Um, That's good. And so we're kind of into the transition with NextGen right now. Um, how has your family ministry and even partnering with parents changed over the years since you've had this new position, this new role? Right. You know, it, it, this sounds so low level, but I think it's such a big part of it is that I believe now more than ever, um, and probably because of the joining of the forces of kids and student ministry under this intentional umbrella of next gen in our case, um, just an awareness. I, there were so many parents who just didn't know what kids and student ministry meant to them besides we've got a great place for your kids to hang out for an hour while you're in big church kind of a thing. Um, and that was on us, not on parents. We just didn't communicate well enough about what was happening. And the problem was we, it was almost like we kept it to ourselves. What we do during this one hour is great. Just trust us. Right. And then student ministry, our student ministry is on Wednesday night. So it's like, what we do it during this two hours on Wednesday night. It's great. Just trust us. You want to drop your kids off with us. And it didn't take us long to realize that is kind of an ignorant approach. We need to at least make parents aware. Please understand what it is that, um, that we're doing here. You know, this is good stuff. And so the lowest level thing was, let me inform you of what's happening during this one hour or during this two hours. Let me give you some sort of talk notes from what your four-year-old just learned or what we did in small groups with your, you know, third grader. Um, that was the lowest level of how do we equip parents with information about what's happening? And that came first, you know, it was just the, again, the informative piece. Here's what we're doing. We hope this helps you at home. And it probably did some, it gave parents, um, some way to have a conversation with their child about things that are, uh, Christ-centered and, uh, things that would benefit them at home, at home, like obedience and sharing and, you know, all those kinds of things. But the bigger piece was when we dialed into the fact that what we're doing at church during that one hour, like you mentioned, isn't the most important part of what's happening in that child's spiritual growth. It's what's happening at home during all those other hours. So how in the world can we equip parents for all those other hours, right? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we think, well, let's have a parenting class. And I don't right. think there's anything wrong with the parenting class. I'm just telling you, I don't know how to do them. I'll just be transparent, <laughs> Carrie. I t- tried it. I try to do these things at the church and expect parents to come and they don't come. Mm-hmm. So, and, and so at first, you know, I'm like, what's wrong with these parents? Why don't they? And the truth is I'm a parent too. I don't want to go to them either. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I got other stuff to do. So we had to figure out, Hey, who's the right person to equip parents is it me as the kids and student ministry leader? Or might it be, in my case, Jeff Galley, who is our life groups missions leader. Um, he's my counterpart on staff. He leads adult small groups. That's his function. And so he and I began about five years ago, a very collaborative relationship where we talk a lot about and equip parents through life groups. 
as opposed Brilliant. to me trying to equip them through next gen. I know kids and students all day long. And I know how to lead leaders who love kids and students. And I want leaders to partner with parents in those few moments they have each week. But I'm fooling myself if I think that's the best way to quote unquote partner with a family. That is that is really neat. So in other words, your your adult, your parents, they're already gathering in in groups, mm-hmm. just in life groups as you call them. And right. I think a lot of churches, whatever size, could relate to that. And what you're mm-hmm. saying is, instead of asking to come out on a Saturday or bringing in a speaker or running a video series or whatever just actually go through there. So what are you doing? Because uh, that was one of my questions. What are some of the best practices to equip parents and families? What are you doing in those life groups that could help leaders who are listening right now? What are just some some good takeaways? Yeah, that's, that is a great question. And one, I'll be honest with you, I, my answer is going to be a lot different in about four years. Um, okay. Where we are today is we have, very early on, we partnered with Tim Elmore. We've actually mm-hmm. used... Your book, Carrie, your book, you and Reggie wrote the book, um, Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. Yeah. That is, um, that's a big deal here. We give that to mm-hmm. every single family that dedicates a child here. Uh, that's our number one suggested resource for small groups to go through together, to do as couples. Um, so those kinds of resources that we didn't necessarily invent, there's no reason for us to reinvent the wheel. Tim Elmore did a series called um, 12... Well, now I can't even think of it. 12 things every parent should avoid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so he came and and shot some videos for us and uh, made it into a YouVersion Bible reading plan and created small group resources that we give away for free at open.life.church for small groups of adults to do together around parenting. Um, There's another resource that we love that uh, we, we give away a component of it on open, and that is Family ID. It's about creating interdependence in your family and creating a mission for your family and making your family your child's favorite place to be. Um, It's a great resource. So we have lots of suggested resources for these life groups to do together. But more than anything, Carrie, I think one of the most important decisions that we made, and it was a tough one, and that was we stopped doing Wednesday night midweek programming. And it was very controversial. There was a lot of questions around it, and it took a lot of prayer to get to that place. We all love it. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Kids loved it. Families loved it. But at the end of the day, if if we really believe, this is just for us. I'm not speaking for anyone else. I think midweek programming is fantastic. But for us, we knew that if we were going to really encourage parents, there was this critical time in their minds, particularly for all of our campuses here in the Bible Belt in the United States, um, that Wednesday night somehow is sacred for you go to church, we go to church, or you go to church, we're parents, we're going to go to our small group, or we're going to go on date night or whatever that looks like. For us, we knew we need to help kids and parents do small group together. And so we stopped doing Wednesday night programming at the church for children exclusively. Now we still have student ministry on Wednesday nights. Okay. Uh, That's their only time to meet. So that still happens on Wednesday nights, but kids and parents, we really want them to be in small groups together off-site, not at Life Church. Go, go be in the park. Go to the coffee shop. Go to the play place. You know, um, go do life group in in someone's home and do life together with your children. And that was probably one of the more critical decisions that we made around partnering with families for us. Was the thinking that parents are probably not going to do a small group plus Wednesday night at the same time? Was that the there thinking? Was, there was some of that for sure. Um, 
that uh, that's another night out, you know. Mm-hmm. And so if I take my child to Wednesday night programming and then we're supposed to do life with our kids, with our small group, that's just not going to happen on the calendar. We got soccer. We got other stuff, you know. So that's really helpful. Four years from now, what's it going to look like? So four years from now, what I would love to tell you is, oh, let me, I'll give you another little drop in the bucket yeah. that is going to get us closer to our four-year plan. Um, within the last six months, we've launched a page. It's called finds, F-I-N-D-S, dot life, dot church. So it's like finds life, whoever finds God. Oh, finds yeah, life, yeah, yeah. Finds life church. And on that site, um, there are lots and lots of articles that just, help you, right? So there's articles on there, but for marriage, there's articles on there for parenting, for families, for um, leading children that have special needs at home, um, for depression. I'm suffering with depression. What do I need to do? So lots of topical kinds of articles that have been written by people inside Life Church, people outside, mental health professionals, pastors, um, authors, you know, whatever, self-help people, all sure, of those sure. kinds of uh, contributors um, to finds.life.church, but many of those resources are for parents and families. So that's a place where we send parents all the time. Just go go to the finds page and see if there's any article that um, is it helps with your situation. Another great resource for parents, and this is probably the future of the where I see us in four years. There are a gazillion, and there's lots of contributors. This is not just a life church thing, but I encourage anyone to go to YouVersion, the Bible app. And there's a place on there that said for reading plans and there are plans. It says plans for dot, dot, dot. And if you click plans for parents, plans for parents, plans for teenagers, plans for children, whatever those things, there are plans for everyone. And they're written by amazing people all over the globe that have contributed these great devotionals and reading plans. Some of them have videos embedded that help the family get through certain topics and things. Um, That's, that's probably been the thing that we've gotten the best feedback on from families is thank you for constantly recommending great Bible reading plans. Um, and so we use those four years from now. I'd love to see us have more small group related uh, kinds of curriculum that adult small groups can do specifically related to particular parenting issues and challenges. Ah, that's so helpful. And I'm a huge fan of version. It's been my personal Bible reading plan and you could find virtually anything. I'm sure there's probably like a Bible reading plan for people who build model airplanes. I don't know why this yes, popped into probably. my head, but there probably is. It's <laughs> it's crazy. And this is what you guys do so well. Even finds.life.church, that would be a free resource, right? Yes. Like there's nothing yes. stopping someone attending Connexus Church saying, hey, check out this website, right? Absolutely. Nothing stopping that, which is mm-hmm. good. Okay, so you have a lot of church staff listening. We've already talked to the business leaders who are like, huh, am I called to ministry? Um, Any tips for them, knowing that they haven't got probably 27 locations across eight states and 100,000 people? But, you know, you remember those days when it was smaller. What are some, if you were giving them advice, if they were sitting down for coffee with you and they're like, Allison, just, you know, here we got 50 kids on a Sunday or 20 kids on a Sunday or 100 kids on a Sunday, what are some of the most important things I can do? What would you tell them? Okay, so these are leaders at, at churches, right? Yeah, local churches. Okay. They're staff. They're, they're kids, next-gen student. Okay, gotcha. Um, probably the most important thing, because regardless of your staff size or your volunteer base or how many service times you have, I think the most important thing that you can do is invest in people. And I think that is one of the most overused phrases ever, right? 
pour into your people. I always say that's one of my pet peeves. What does it mean to pour into <laughs> someone? What are you saying? Um, for me, it's very messy because every individual person requires a different investment. You know, some people, some volunteer leaders that I'm leading, that I'm trying to um, help them discover some deeper set of leadership skills that they have or help them work through some um, a lack of self-assurance that they need to conquer, a lack of confidence that they need to conquer, um, a leader who needs to grow in just a hard skill set. They need to become a better communicator. Every single person requires a different kind of investment. So for one person, it may be, listen, we just need to chat once a week. I'd love for us just to have coffee. I want to invest in our relationship because that's what you need at this time is you need other believers in your life to encourage you along. Someone else, the next person may need, you know, once a month we're going to get together and we're going to talk through a teaching topic and you are going to develop your short communication skills. So you've got 180 seconds to communicate something. Let's practice that once a month. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, whatever that is, you may have another leader who needs to learn how to have crucial conversations. You know, they need to know how to have difficult conversations with someone who's serving in the ministry and probably shouldn't be serving at this time because of some personal spiritual challenges they may be experiencing. That's a tough conversation to have. And that's a skill set that can be developed. And so um, those are the kinds of things that I would that that I would talk to any leader in ministry about is. Let's talk about how you're going to invest in people and what does that look like for you? Isn't that fascinating? You know, it's it's funny that in in light of everything you're in charge of at one of the largest churches in the country, if not the largest, you said invest in people. When I, I interviewed Sue Miller, a friend of yours, I'm sure, yeah. who led one of the biggest children's ministries of a decade ago at Willow Creek in Chicago, you know what her answer was? People, people, what? people, people, people. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating, eh? And you think, you think, when you think big, you think institutional, organizational charts, spreadsheets, you know, what you have. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's, all, it's God and it's people, isn't it? It, it really, really is. Mm-hmm. Allison, this has been so stimulating, interesting, challenging. You're so sharp. Thank you so much for this. Anything else you want to share uh, before we direct people to where they can find you in Life Church? You know, I... Um... I'm really thankful, Carrie. I'm thankful that you've been a mentor to me all these years from a distance. I'm thankful for um, this podcast. I'm thankful for the things that I've learned from you and those that you're smart enough to bring in. Um, Wow. It it, truly, I love the fact that the church is the church is the church and we are all in this together. We all wear the same name on the back of our jersey, don't we? (laughs) We absolutely do. Well, thank you. And I mean, I've learned a ton from you I've learned a ton from Life Church and from Craig, who's been a guest on this podcast as well, and, and I hope will be again soon. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where, well, going back eight years ago, and regular listeners know this, but I started this because we'd have great conversations, like the conversation you and I just had, you know, uh, over coffee or backstage or wherever. And now we just get to have those conversations with some people listening, which is an awful lot of fun. Because I'd always walk away going, man, I wish everybody could have heard this, or I wish our elders could have heard this, or I wish my staff could have heard this, or I wish, you know, so-and-so could have heard this. And now people can hear it, and we're learning a lot more. So if people want to find you online, and obviously Life Church, uh, were some places where they could do that. Well, I tell you, I don't have any personal website or anything like that. Finds.life.church is a great mm-hmm. place to start. Um, any resourcing that anyone needs, we have a community uh, inside of Open 
www.life.church. Open is the platform from which we give away the resources that I mentioned earlier. Those are all of our, any of our original music, curriculum, volunteer leader um, resources. People can download everything that they need for kids and student ministry from that website and never have to purchase anything if that's the place where their church is. Um, and there's a spot inside of open called community and community is a great place for, um, and you don't have to be an open user, but to share ideas about kids and student ministry, um, church leadership, staffing, it's not just limited to next gen. And then certainly I hope this isn't, isn't inappropriate, but if anyone needed to contact me personally, Mm -hmm. I'm one of those open book kind of people. Uh, (laughs) my email address could not be easier. Okay. uh, Allison, two L's and a Y, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N at life.church. So questions, pushback on anything I said or whatever, I would love to partner with anyone and and learn from anybody. So, Well, that's incredible, Allison. And you know what? A few leaders have given out their email addresses. It's led to some amazing conversations. Just thanks for being that open. And Life Church really is just so generous in giving back to the kingdom and, and to thousands, tens of thousands, I'm sure, of local churches. So this has been so refreshing. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Carrie. Boy, is she sharp, isn't she? I mean, that's just, that's just riveting. And that's also, you know, it reminds me, you know, Craig saw in Allison something that I think a lot of us see but sometimes ignore, and those are brilliant leaders, men and women, who are somewhere in your congregation on Sunday. You know, maybe you're in a small church or sitting in the back row. Maybe you're in a large church and it's too dark to see all the way to the back. And you, you know, get to know the people who attend your church because there are some brilliant leaders there and you don't know what can happen when you unleash them on the kingdom. So you will probably want to get some of the show notes as I do in cases like this. And if so, good news, they're free as always. Same with this podcast and you can pick them up at kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 164, or just go to leadlikeneverbefore.com and type in Allison Evans, and that's Allison with two L's, one Y, Allison Evans. You'll find the show notes there. Um, They're always under the blog tab. And remember, February 22nd, what are you doing? This is the last day to get (laughs) a discount. Uh, exclusive to listeners of this podcast for the Pipeline West Conference, where I'll be speaking along with many others. You can go to myleadershippipeline.com, enter the code lead like never before, before it disappears, November 1st. Well, next week, we are back with Mark Batterson. It was a great conversation, actually tackling probably one of the biggest pastoral questions I get asked, other than, you know, the whole, if God is so good, why is there suffering? How about this one? How do I hear from God? Like, how do I know when I think I'm hearing from God that it's God, which is actually really closely aligned to the question of how do you know God's will for your life, which is just a huge question for so many people. Anyway, Mark and I dive into that on the flaky and not so flaky ways to to deal with that subject. Here's an excerpt uh, for what's coming up next week. And, And I tell you what, when you've spent three months of your life in the intensive care unit, barely able to breathe. Yeah. It does something to you. So I, I, in some ways, I wouldn't trade uh, some of those difficulties because I think it helped make me who I am. But he, here's here's my hunch, Carrie. You know, I, I wrote this book, Draw the Circle, uh, the 40-Day Prayer Challenge. You know, my fear was that people would read that book and then give God a 40-day timeline. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Uh, and so I think it, it's what I like sharing is, listen, this is not about giving God a 40-day timeline. This is about 
40 years later, are you still praying? Mm. Are you still believing? I kind of have this little, uh, this revelation where I I realized a couple of years ago that all of my prayers were ASAP prayers as soon as possible. (laughs) And, and I came up with this different acronym, ALAT, as long as it takes, Mm. Um, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. And so that's kind of my approach to life. I, I think um, maybe the Lord wanted to use my asthma, something I could never even imagine. When it's your earliest memory, Carrie, yeah. you can't imagine anything else. And so I think maybe the Lord did it in a way that, Mark, I, I'm going to let you go through this for 40 years, but I'm going to do it to prove something to people that you keep praying those brave prayers and, and don't give up and uh, see what God does. So that's coming down the pipe next Tuesday. And if you subscribe, you'll get it automatically. You can do that for free. We are over 500 reviews. Can you believe it? 503 at last count on iTunes. Thank you. And uh, thanks for all the encouragement. And uh, yeah, if this episode has meant something to you, share it with uh, people on your team, people outside your organization, or maybe even put it on the socials where you can always find me. You uh, can find uh, sort of my headquarters at leadlikeneverbefore.com. I'm also on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram, which is currently my favorite profile. So if you're there, say hi, let us know what this meant to you, and uh, follow along for a great leadership journey. Thanks so much for listening. It's been a lot of fun this week, and we'll do it again next week, next Tuesday. And I really do hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.